The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world. In America, the rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Cars and Culture on Sirius XM. I'm your host, Jason Stein. Could there be an owner base more passionate than Corvette? From the car clubs to the social following to the order banks that are filled with those who want the first and who analyze every inch of the car when a new one is launched. Corvette. Imagine the daunting task of designing a new one or sculpting a refreshed version or coming up with the details for one called E-Ray. For Rich Shear, it's the culmination of a dream come true. When you grow up in the East Coast around Corvettes and imagine them and aim to design one and aim to study one and then end up on the other end of the designer pencil, it's too good to be true. But what a task. Few jobs can be as daunting or have expectations that are higher. It's no issue for a man who's had his hand in the reincarnated Hummer as well as other General Motors performance vehicles. It's a match made in the design studio. So what is the world like for the mind behind the exterior and interior of the newest E-Ray? And where do the opportunities turn when you consider what could be done with electric vehicles and the blank slate they create from a design and engineering perspective? Today on Cars and Culture, Rich tells all. From GM's Technical Center in suburban Detroit, he gives us his view on the process and the joy of creating the car that he only once dreamed about. The Corvette and its designer here on Cars and Culture. Hi, this is Rich here. I'm with Jason Stein with Cars and Culture. It is excellent to be in the presence of a designer at all times. We've had about half a dozen on this program, but I'm not sure there's one that's had as much buzz around the product that is now on the streets and has been unveiled as the designer for the E-Ray. Welcome in, <laughs> E-Ray oh, designer. Thank you. thank you so much. I appreciate that. Are you living a dream, Rich here? I am. I very much so. Yes, I am. Yes. I'll tell you what, it, honestly, uh, uh, since the time I understood that there was such a thing about car design, um, I wanted to be the Corvette design chief. And uh, the fact that I'm I'm in that position now as the uh, performance director, it is a dream come true. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be in this spot. It's a privilege. And uh, I'm proud. I've got a great team. And um, it is, it's, it's just a joy. It's really a joy. It's, it's the product I love and, and, um, and want to, you know, want to work on and, and want to do great things with. So, well, I want to talk about that history, uh, in a moment, but let's first focus on the product that's out there. Do you, as a designer, because of how long the gestation period is and, and how involved you are for so long before anybody else sees it, how do you cope with the unveiling? Yeah, it is. It is funny, the unveiling. Um, and uh, it's funny uh, sitting here with Renee on the communication side. Uh, by the time we actually un unveil and reveal the vehicles and show it for the first time publicly, um, it's almost you have to reset what you were working on a couple of years ago. And sometimes depending on the projects, not long ago and sometimes a little bit further back. And uh, you have to kind of recalibrate. What was that? What were we thinking about again? Um but it is fun. It is. It's such a. It, it's such a wonderful moment when the team gets to finally share the work that's been done, 
Um, and, and many times it's one of the, like, kind of, a uh, it's like, it's like seeing your kid go to school for the first time. Uh, it's, it's a proud moment. And, uh, I, I really love it. I love being able to share that with the team. And once you finally, I think one of the other really great times for us is that, you know, when we, when the product finishes in design and we ship our final clay model and it's done and it's finished. You know, sometimes we'll do prototype design um, models, but seeing the first development car driving on the tech center here, and it's nice sometimes when I'm up in the Chevrolet studio and you can look down out around the pond here, it's a wonderful scene. And you see a car kind of turning the corner for the first time, you're like, holy cow, there it is. And uh, it's it's a wonderful moment to kind of see the car out and out amongst other vehicles and it kind of gives you that almost like it's the first time you're seeing it. And uh, that's always like a, it's like a Christmas present, a surprise Christmas present that shows up. So I, I well, love it. It's a great it's, time. In its natural environment, right? I mean, that that's Absolutely. The part that anything yeah. can look great in a studio. Yeah. But when you get it out with pavement and trees and other vehicles and people. Oh, yeah. Right. It just and, and, and again, you know, seeing it with other vehicles, vehicles it's replacing and they're driving past and, competitive vehicles and it's wonderful it's like it's like it's one of those moments where you're proud you're like nervous uh, did we get it right is it new enough uh, all that stuff but it's it's a wonderful it's usually a wonderful moment where it's like my gosh it's there we could share it we could talk about it uh and it's 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 a great moment it's one of the it's one of the moments in in our in our business that's uh it's you can't wait for that yeah we've had mark royce on the program i imagine rolling it out in front of executives like him might be the second scariest moment, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, it, it is. And and I'll tell you, it's it's great working with Mark uh, and our other members of the SLT, our leadership team. They are so design focused and and much as much so as any time in my career. And it's wonderful because we have engagement with that team all the time. So, uh, you know, I would say we see we see those team members once a month, once a quarter, um, and and they get to see the process along the way from the beginning sketches, scale models, uh, the initial full size models and all the way through the process. They're engaged and it's wonderful. So the conversations happen all the time. So usually by the time we're presenting them uh, at the end of like, OK, this is it. This is what we're going to production with. They've been along for the journey. They've seen it. Uh, they've kind of lived it with us. Um, and it's great. You kind of feel like there's tremendous support from our leadership team on the design work that's happening. Uh, and again, it's usually by that time, there's no surprises. It is a little bit scary because you always want to make sure that Mark and Mary and the rest of the team are as excited as the team is about the new product. So and usually they are absolutely. It's are you are you looking at their faces the second the drape comes off or the second absolutely in or absolutely like, you're dialed in. Oh yeah. What's Mark's what's yeah. Mary's reaction? Yeah, and I'll tell you in in this business being able to read body language and facial yeah. expressions before the words come out. You know, uh, it, yes, you have to be a master at that <laughs> to be a good designer. And uh, absolutely, you're you're definitely engaged. And make you know seeing Michael Simcoe's body language and reaction and his words. I mean, he's a he's a good poker player, uh, and so he's usually like hard to read him sometimes. But but it's important. You, you definitely want to. Hopefully, anytime you reveal something new, um, that you're getting that emotional 
oh, wow, we, we're really excited. We love what we see. Um, we're, we can't wait to get this product out to market. And usually the reaction is, uh, how fast can we get this done? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have these reality checks of, yes, yeah, it still takes time to do this. But, uh, but yeah, those are those are wonderful moments. You've been the lead exterior designer on the Chevy Blazer EV, the Equinox EV, interior yep. exterior on the GMC Hummer EV pickup truck, right. and SUV, which we're going to talk about. Yep. But this one, is this one for you? And we'll go back to your history now. The Pinnacle? Is this... Oh, absolutely. Working on Corvette is the pinnacle. And it, and it honestly, for, you know, for me, it takes me back to, again, as a, as a young guy, just being in love with Corvette. You know, my dad, uh, my dad was a Chevy guy. We had, we loved Chevy products. He was a, you know, kind of a kid of the sixties and he had Chevelles and things like that and Camaros and, um, and Corvette was always like, oh my gosh, that's the top of our mountain. And we always loved them, coveted them wanted them, you know, couldn't afford them back then. And, uh, and certainly it's always been kind of on my dream bucket list to, you know, to, to have one, to own them. And then of course, becoming a designer, it was like, how do you, how do you get from a new designer, uh, to be on that team at some point And then, uh, and then to be part of the team as I am now, it's, it's, it's a dream come true, but it is, it is, uh, it is the, the top of the mountain for me, as far as, uh, working on product, working on Corvette is, is truly, uh, it's a pleasure. It's a gift. It's, it's something that, um, you have to really take serious. Cause I'll tell you the, the customers on Corvette are just as demanding as they get. They're so passionate. They're so knowledgeable. They understand the history as much as you do. Their expectations are as high as yours. And so again, but that's, you know, as a designer, you want to be involved in those kind of projects. That's, that's what makes you tick. But that makes it harder too, doesn't it? It does. Because it does. The expectations are so, you uh, are are so much higher. Yeah, yeah. It is, but absolutely. But I, but I'll tell you what. It's it's again. It's a privilege to be on product like that that has a history. Um, you feel connected to that history. We talk about it a lot. Um, uh, we know that the the things that we're working on, you know, will will not just be considered. Hey, what's what's working now? And in this time, but how does it fit in history? So again, there's there's things you talk about on a program like Corvette that you don't talk about on on other programs, and um, but it, it makes it even more special. I think I think it it kind of gets into your heart and your soul even deeper, um, and and you just you just want to give it your best. You want to give it your all. Uh, it it is very hard uh, to try to get guys to hey, it's time to go home. It's the end of the day. Go on home. It's like this is not something that you just put the pencil down at five o'clock and walk, walk away. It's a lot of times we're trying to get guys out. It hits way too late. Come on, go, go home. But again, it's, it's just part of what you do. It's a dream for most folks that are on this product. Um, and they just want to give it everything they've got. What were some of the design cues you knew that you had to keep in the E-Ray and what ones did you avoid for fear of being perhaps trite? Yeah, I, I would say on E-Ray, you know, E-Ray, I think what was great about E-Ray is that it shares the wide body, right? So that's that's great, right? It has it has the same panels as a Z06, and that's great because that that is just a just truly a beautiful setup. The the track is wide, the wheels are deep, and they're large. And again, we just did some minor cue differences so that that a customer, you know, there's some body color elements, the the hockey stick shape that's very iconic on the Z06. 
a customer can get that body color, the front piece and the grill. You can get that body color. It has specific wheels. I absolutely love the five spoke kind of pure E-Ray wheel. And that was something to try to, again, it, it's not completely new from the Z06 as far as major mounted body panels, but we tried to just give it just a bit of a trim difference. So again, when somebody saw that, they could quickly say, you know, if they didn't spot the badge, they could say, hey, yeah, that, that's an E-Ray. And, and most importantly, like the wheels from a mile away, those beautiful five spokes, um, uh, they just stand out. And again, I, I think it's one of the best wheels that that Corvette offers. So uh, to me, it, it makes it kind of stand out. As a designer, especially with something so iconic, how do you avoid the the dreaded design by committee design? <laughs> well, that is that is something that no matter what project you're working on, you have to avoid. Um, but, you know, with the Corvette, you know, I consider it one of the crown jewels of, of General Motors. And so it is it, it is like there's lots of thoughts that come your way. Um, but again, I think I think the team here uh, has been doing this for a long time. Um, and, and we have uh, I would say we have, um, uh, you know, our leaders trust the work that's coming out of the studio um, and I think one, once there's really good trust there, then it's it's not like every person shows up with their own ideas. Um, they just kind of look at the team that's in here. Uh, they, they, you know, the, I think the work I said is respected um, and it's appreciated. And again, it's uh, they kind of let us do our thing. And and certainly along the way, there'll there'll be some comments. But uh, but I would say design in general has been in a very good place for. For several years now, and uh, and there's there's a lot less of that stuff, uh, and so um, yeah, I haven't haven't had to worry about that too much. Yeah, you, you don't want design to get in the way of politics ever, do you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> especially not in this studio. Usually, the, usually the music's cranked too loud for the politics to sneak in. So, <laughs> share a couple of anecdotes around the design or development of the, the C8. Just just give us a couple of, of interesting moments that that occurred during that during the the uh, iterations of it yeah you know i would say just just uh like some of the great moments you know again uh c8 and I, i'd kind of give uh credit a lot of the credit to tom peters who was my predecessor who who really was the design the design director that did all the development for c8 i've come in and kind of helped to kind of finish up some things uh and then of course looked out to the future um but again i would say overall that you know just some of the great like just the amount of energy around uh, Corvette and the development of C8. Uh, probably we broke uh, the record for how many scale models could be done for what a Corvette proposal could be. And then after the scale models, probably um, at least a half a dozen full-size models. And sometimes those models were clown suited where you have a one design theme on one side and another design theme on another. And so I think throughout that development process, uh, I, no stone was unturned, you know, that that we didn't look for uh, for all the best that we could put on the car. So the, the effort was just incredible, absolutely incredible, uh, kind of getting from the beginning stage through, you know, the final design. So what was the, what what was the timing from from end to to uh, to end? When did you first say, OK, well, here goes the pencil on the on the vehicle? Yeah, I would say that you know, you know, the 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 time frame for you know turning the car, you know, it's to me the story goes beyond just not just C8, but the fact of going mid-engine, 
And so that was a significant thing. And there had been studies, you know, throughout time, um, you know, that going back several decades about how to actually do that. And I think over time, the components that were available, you know, engine size and transmission size and and certainly being able to do a package that that we would consider, you know, better than what the, the package and the chassis was for the, you know, the front engine car. Um, you know, that that work, there was work that was done, you know, in the 2000s, kind of that that beginning of that decade. There was work there was, was done. And I would say that was kind of after C6 time. Um, and, uh, and then there was kind of thoughts, well, maybe about then. But then, you know, there was some great work that continued the development of the front engine car, which became the C7. And then, but there was always kind of this background work that was being done. We kind of have a, a for Corvette, we have kind of a secondary studio that we kind of like to hide stuff, and uh, we we love to just continue the development work on it. And that's where a lot of the, I'll say, the fundamental groundwork on on the mid engine package. And then once once we kind of once the package was kind of like okay, we think it's understood. And and we think we know what it's going to be around, and generally the size and the and you know the overall space of it. Um, and we knew that it was relatively going to be around, like we could keep it similar to C7, if you would. Um, and and that package wasn't going to grow it too big or other things. Um, then then I would say the normal development time for Corvette it was similar to most of the other programs. You know, a couple of years to get us from the beginning to the end. Um, but certainly, there, and I would say the only real difference is that there were moments that happened prior to that. But I would say mostly it was around kind of the development of the package and making sure that the chassis was right. Certainly from a design perspective, an engineering perspective, there was an upfront mule that was worked on by the engineers that they were they were kind of working on out at Milford to make sure that the the, the chassis changes would still deliver or even improve upon you know, the great setup of the front engine car. So there was always kind of this background development before we actually really got engaged with, with the true program. So it must be completely liberating to, to go to a new package like that and to say, well, I can now reimagine. Yes. You know, this icon in, in an incredibly different way. And of course the headlines were, were enormous when it, when it was finally confirmed that Absolutely. that was coming. Yeah. But, it, but it, it must've been for a designer it must've been, uh, like starting over to some extent. Absolutely. And and I think as a designer, um, you know, being able to affect the chassis um, and to be able to affect the whole, the whole vehicle, you know, where the occupants are, the width, the height, all those sorts of things. Um, that's the, that's the very best. That's the top of what we get to do. You know, many vehicles that will design, you know, have, um, you know, they, they come from something else that was proceeding before, right? It may be a subtle adjustment to a chassis or they're very similar. If it's new, it's it's really not completely different from something that preceded it. But this one really was all new. And and really, I would say not only from the design perspective, but from the engineering perspective, it was it was a dream come true to be able to kind of have this new puzzle to solve. And and again, and it was it was such a high bar. You know the C7 really got the car to a, a a great level, and how do you go? How do you go and improve upon the performance of that car? And then, of course, kind of keeping you know keeping in mind where Corvette has to live in the market, uh, the kind of price tag it commands, where it wants to live. Of course, we wanted to grow the price tag of the car and kind of grow the performance and kind of kind of take it to the next level. 
uh, kind of exceed customer expectations, which which I think happened. Um, but uh, but but again, along the way, it was like being able to move all those big puzzle pieces. That's a dream come true. That's that's what designers love. I, I had a chance to to do that on the Hummer EV, and that was really great to kind of start off on that project with really zero. And then work on the chassis and the layout before you even get to what the exterior, the interior is going to look like. And and to me, that is the very best of what we get to do. When you when you get those projects, it's 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 a great opportunity. Wonderful. Well, that's a that's a whole different level of yep. fun now. The GMC <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that development. What did you want to accomplish? What did you, you know what? What uh, what challenges did you face that you overcame, and 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 what's your summation on it now that it's been out for a little while? Yeah, I, I would say that the Hummer uh, the Hummer EV that was that was like everything that we talked about that we wanted to do. That sometimes you put on the you know put on the whiteboard in the beginning. Sometimes things get crossed off. As we went through, I think we just kept adding more and more and more, and 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 then we just and I think the whole team. Um, the whole team just said, you know, why not? Why can't we? And we're not just going to do an EV pickup truck. We're going to do an EV super truck. And what does it mean to be a super truck? We want it to perform. We want, you know, great performance, great off-road performance. You know, when you do an off-road vehicle, performance is measured very different. You got rock crawlers, desert racers, all those sorts of things. And we wanted to be great at all of it. Um, and then also, you know, that was kind of the resurrection of bringing Hummer, but we also, but you didn't want to just bring it back to what it was. You know, we kind of called it, uh, before it was like the desert storm Hummer. And we, we really wanted to kind of depart and move it and kind of take the brand to something very different. Um, not the invader, but almost just almost the explorer. Like it's something new and it's almost something unworldly or beyond our world in a way it was kind of a fun design design thought that that actually manifested into some of the design language and some of the kind of little um, easter eggs that kind of live lives in the vehicles but what was so great about that project was again resurrecting hummer doing it in a new way doing it on an ev you know it got us to understand like hey what could ev do as a super truck as a performance vehicle so we were kind of learning along the way of what the capabilities could be and should be, you know, when all of a sudden we said, Hey, you know, we think we can actually make this thing crab walk. That was, that was like, wow. You know, that wasn't the first line on the list of things to do, but as we developed and learned what could this chassis do uh, it was, it was great that we added that on as well. And and actually does great things for off-roading. And it's also just a fun, great feature when you're cruising down Woodward and, well, showing and, off on the cruise, you know, and then lo and behold, LeBron James appears in a in a commercial, yeah. and he's doing his own crab walk. That's right. And that was that was another twist that came in. It was another one of those why nots uh, that that showed up uh, as, as part of that um, as part of that pro project. That was that was really just truly amazing. And I think probably the the most interesting part of that program was how fast it went. Hmm. And um, and that was amazing to because to be able to do all this to invent a chassis, uh, to kind of bring this bring this brand to bring it part of GMC, uh, this vehicle, um, the expectations like once you put the name Hummer on it, there's a like like Corvette, there are expectations that must be met, um, and of course you want to exceed those, um, 
but uh, but again, to be able to do it, and this was one that came directly from Mark and Mary uh, that that hey, we want to do this, and not only do we want to do this, and I remember it was kind of a, a April one, April Fool's Day, which is ironic, right? It's great, great for the story. <laughs> uh, right there in the beginning of April of 2019, um, hey, we want to do this, and oh by the way, we want to get it out there, and we want to get it to market by September of 21. And like all, you know, the design guys are like, you know, we're, we're not the math experts, but uh, we quickly raised our hands and said, well, that's fast. That's really, that's crazy fast. Um, but that was the challenge. And it was like, okay. And, you know, the whole team engineering and design, we work very quickly to figure out, okay, what, how do we need to cadence this development to actually do this, to actually get it to, uh, you know, the end of 21, uh, you know, second half of 21 or the end of 21 when it, when the vehicle wants to launch and wow. to get it to market. And it was it was just an amazing journey. And, you know, then, you know, at the, almost at the end of the design process, the thing called COVID showed up, I was which was say, another curveball. Like, well, battling how do we that? do yeah. that? Right. And we, we quickly had to adjust and but we made it all happen. And from a from a studio design perspective, from from that day in April. Uh, when we had zero, not a sketch, not a drawing, not an engineering layout, nothing, uh, to final release of the truck was at the end of July of 20. And so it was like 18 months. And um, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just never been done. Certainly in our company, I don't, I'm not aware of in another company, but that's just an amazing amount of work that happened. And it was a, it was a vehicle that you know, we designed the exterior, the interior, the front, the trunk, you know, the bed, the underside, uh, the wheel well liners. Like we got into everything, the underbody stuff. We were helping designing A-arms. Uh, we didn't stop. And uh, it was it was just a, an amazing effort um, that happened in such a short time. And then, oh, by the way, we had in our second rail. Uh, the SUV that was following very shortly and the fact that we have some shared panels meant that we had to co-develop it. So it was kind of like, you know, not quite two vehicles, but it was like one and a half vehicles done at that amount of time was um, that's, that's to me, the most amazing part of it um, that that's that we accomplished it. And at the end, you know, at the end, it doesn't really matter how fast or slow you go. What is it? You know, is it, is it a great design or is it not? And at the end, I'm, I'm really proud. I think I think the vehicle really looks new. I think it blew people away when they saw it. Uh, once they got a chance to drive it, it was even even better than how it looks. Um, and it's an amazing vehicle. I was lucky to have one of the early builds for about a year. And I, I felt like I was a rock star everywhere. You know, it was like that crazy part, so don't call yourself a rock star. But in that truck, I was a rock star. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Paul Stanley. But uh um, absolutely. We were rock stars driving that thing. And it was, it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, and I, I, I'm really proud of the design. It was for me personally, it, uh, I've been an exterior designer, um, since I started here at General Motors and, uh, it was, I, the, the interior got thrown at us, uh, came, just came in the studio with it. And it was, it was really just so we could go fast and we kind of joined an exterior and interior team very quickly. And so it was my chance to, to jump on, you know, to be able to develop um, both sides of the vehicle, if you will. And it was it was a wonderful experience. I loved it. Um, I got a chance to work on a part of the car that I hadn't before. And I, I just had a blast doing it. 
um, you know, working with our UX UI folks, developing the cluster and the ICS and trying to kind of tell that kind of off to Mars story and the, all the fun stuff that, that the cluster shows off was just, just an absolute delight. I almost felt like I was writing a movie um, as we kind of developed uh, those, those components. And it was, it was just wonderful. I just truly an, uh, uh, an incredible exercise. And I think at the end, a very successful design. So um, no, great story. And I love seeing them driving around. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, they, they are a presence. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I mentioned your work on the, on the Chevy Blazer EV and the uh, Equinox EV. How does trans, how does that transition to EVs affect the design of a performance vehicle versus a traditional car? Yeah, I would say one of the one of the great things about switching from ICE to EV, especially for like Blazer EV or Equinox EV, you know, uh, you know, you kind of start with the battery and the battery pack. Um, what what's kind of hey that that is there's a certain amount of batteries that are needed to create range and performance. And I think what's great and what designers love about it is that pack is wide, so the vehicles are wide, right? So we get you know I remember um, you know years ago when you're developing new vehicles and you're always trying to push for width and you want great stance and get the vehicle planted. And we'd always have this, you know, kind of challenge. Well, it, you know, it's not as efficient as it could be. Well, now, you know, the battery pack is really wide and it's going to be wide. So that's great. So that's number one. And Oh, by the way, they need big wheels. And so now you're talking about, you know, 19 inch wheels, 20, 21s, 22s. And it's like, so immediately when the designers start sketching, I think we've actually been sketching EVs for the last 25 years and we just didn't know it because right. now we have the proportions to do it. And it's, yeah. it's just great. Um, and I think the, the other cool thing about it is that, that the fact that EVs, again, range is very, very important um, and making the vehicles that are aerodynamic and slick is, is it's a huge part of it. I mean, we always worked on vehicles to make them, you know, arrow, uh, get the best out of arrow for any vehicle we worked on. But now with EVs, uh, better arrow is miles and range. And so now there's even a, a more focus on getting these things as efficient as we can. And, uh, and that's certainly the goal. And now you're seeing these designs, you know, when you look at a current Blazer ICE to the Blazer EV, the Blazer EV just you know, powertrain aside, it just it just has a real sleek, slick appearance. You know, the vehicle's wider, it's a little bit lower, but it's longer, right? So the people space, the cargo space is just a little, little bit different. And and that's great, right? So it just gives it all of a sudden like this new kind of vehicle uh gives us a chance uh to just do something different uh from a proportion sense. And it and it really almost feels like a great sketch, a great design sketch right out of the box. So I would tell you that in the design process, the upfront, like the first scale models and the first full-size models all feel great right away. Uh, in particular, a great story, um, the Equinox EV, uh, the, like that development happened very quickly. It was actually worked similarly, not quite as fast as Hummer, but on the same pace. Um, and, and that was, uh, just a couple of scale models. One of the scale models we, we, have, we quickly went full size with, and usually there's a moment where the scale model and the full size have this awkward teenage years. And, uh, and, but I'll tell you, it was the, that one went right to full size and it was, it was just great right out of the box. 
And that helped us go very, very fast. And again, it, you know, the Equinox EV, you know, feels very new. When you see that going by, you're like, what is that? And to me, it, it, it's great to kind of take the expectation from a design perspective and just raise the bar uh, for something that's that's a, that's an Equinox and really kind of step out from all the other, you know, mid-sized utility vehicles. They feel very new and they feel very fresh. It's interesting, right, Rich? In the past, it seemed as though designers were, one, either given a mandate to make sure that these alternate propulsion vehicles look like science projects. I think of the Insight, the Volt, <laughs> the Prius, right? Or two, decided on their own to design in some tech cues. Yeah. What was it and did that work for consumers? And maybe should the design style for an electric car differ from an internal combustion engine vehicle? You know, I, I would say probably early on there was there was a the, certainly a, a, you know discussions and vehicles that came out that you know EVs or hybrids kind of looked different. They looked a little bit different from the mainstream vehicle. Certainly, they were also trying to be aerodynamic for their own time, and I think some of that was a little bit you know unique, right? But they were kind of narrow. The wheels are small, and so the proportions just weren't quite right. And they kind of had a bit, there's a bit of a, uh, maybe an awkwardness to them. Um, but, um, and they, and it kind of creates a different look. And then I think there's an idea that at that time that maybe customers that were, you know, early adopters for those kind of vehicles wanted to stand out and wanted to be different and, and say, Hey, I'm, I'm different. I'm, you know, I'm an EV person. I'm, I'm going green. But I think as, as we learned um, part of that journey was, you no know, at, at the end of the day, uh, even even EV folks or you know folks that are really conscious about you know breaking away from ICE vehicles, they just want a great looking vehicle too. Um, they're they're not looking to stand out and to be kind of this unique, strange, different just because the propulsion's different. Um, I think at the end they want a beautiful car that that's expressive and they feel good about. It looks great sitting in their driveway, and uh, so you know that's that's been a lot of great feedback that we've learned and heard over the years and and certainly when we go into ev now uh, we certainly don't think well hey it's got to look electric we don't even really talk about that anymore it's just like we just we just want to make the vehicle look great and look new and look modern um, and certainly some of the ev platform gives us a chance to do that again it, they, they really start off with great proportions and that's that's you know for a designer that's uh, that's half the battle after the break i'll continue my conversation with rich shear design director at general motors and to watch my interview with Rich, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 120 interviews and nearly a 1,000 videos. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back to the program. I'm Jason Stein, your host of Cars and Culture. Now the continuation of my conversation with Rich Shear, Design Director at General Motors. And to watch my interview with Rich, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 120 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. We talked at the outset about your dream to design the Corvette. When did you know you wanted to be an automotive designer? And did you grow up in a car family? 
Well, I, I did. Mean, well, my my dad certainly. Yeah. yeah, my dad certainly. He was. Uh, uh, we we loved racing. Uh, my dad was. He loved. He loved uh, Chevrolet cars, especially the cars of the '60s. He loved all the muscle cars. Um, loved the V8s. We used to tear them apart and work on them all the time in our backyard. Our backyard looked more like a junkyard than a backyard. <laughs> but as a kid, it was it was just awesome. Go karts and mini bikes and lots of cars. And we had uh, a '56 Chevy and a '64 Impala and lot I, I can't tell you how many square body pickup trucks we had um but we were always working on cars and and we loved it and my dad and i we would go to races i'm i'm from the east coast from new jersey and we would go all up and down the east coast um uh chasing dirt modifieds and uh, we just loved it loved it and, and of course all the dirt modifieds what was the powertrain in those cars they were all chevys all of them and um and there was always there was kind of this pride element of the Chevy motor, the small block, the 350 or the big block. And, and there's something that happened in our family that made that very, very special. And, you know, you couldn't, any other manufacturer, you just wasn't allowed in the driveway. Th those are my dad's rules, certainly. Uh, and, and uh, it was great. It was great. So, it, it, but, but he, we, we didn't grow up in here in Detroit um, and certainly weren't connected to the auto industry, but we certainly were really passionate about, Chevrolet and cars and just loved it. Um, it, it was kind of funny. My, uh, as I was kind of going through high school, uh, just an accidental, you know, one of those moments where my mom actually found a magazine article and it was, uh, it was a magazine article. I want to say it was like in people magazine and it was about art center college of design in Pasadena. And it was a beautiful, like three or four page spread where they showed car sketches and models and, and she just she saw this and she's like, oh, my gosh, my my son would love this because I love cars. I was a, a good artist. But but in, as an artist back then, I didn't know I loved to draw. I, I drew all my Hot Wheel cars. I had I had to make sure that I I kept track of all the Hot Wheel cars by having them drawn out. And that was kind of my first lesson lesson on how to draw cars. And uh, but she just thought, my gosh, this is this is thing we didn't know about. And uh, when I remember getting that, reading that article, handing it to my, uh, you know, the, the my teacher, my art teacher in school, uh, the, you know, the the folks that um, kind of coordinate college visits, stuff like that. They, I said, hey, can you can you help me find colleges? And I thought, well, I live near New York City. There's got to be a car design school in New York City, right, or near near that. And and certainly there was some schools uh, out there like Pratt, uh, Parsons. But no, none of them that were really as dedicated to car design like Art Center was showing. And and there's certainly the great art schools here in the Midwest at, at uh, the school here in Detroit, uh, where I graduated from the Cleveland Institute of Arts. And really, the Midwest is really you get what's great about it is the schools here. We get the influence from the Detroit designers. Um, but when she found that article and showed it to me, I read it. I'm like, that's it. I mean, it was like the light went on. And it was just after that, it was like, how do I get from here to there? And uh, it was it was great. It was absolute focus after that, creating a portfolio, getting into design school and then then praying and hoping that uh, the guys at General Motors would say, uh, ask, ask me to join. So I was lucky that that happened. Your story is the same as Aaron Crosley's to some extent, because yeah. uh, 
she she almost had a very similar path uh, ultimately to become design director at Cadillac Interiors. But That's I great, know yeah. kind of East Coast uh, beginning that uh, I think she went to Syracuse and yep, and kind of a kind of a New York thing. So I, have you two compared notes on how did we end up in Detroit? <laughs> no, no, uh, I, ha- I haven't with Aaron, but uh, but I will catch up with her. But no, it's it's it is funny because I, I would say most most designers really the discovery of becoming a designer usually is accidental. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not something that's really known about. I mean, most people think that somehow the designs come out of engineering or of of a crazy computer somewhere. Uh, and, um, and you're just not quite sure. And certainly the path of becoming a designer, uh, I probably would have bet that it would be, Hey, start at an engineering school and then somehow transform into, into the design business. And then to realize that, no, actually you go through an art an art college was like an eye opener, like, Oh, okay. That's how you go. But then when you, when you actually see it's really a study of surface and sculpture and line and form, uh, then it makes sense that you, that your, your studies go through um, a design school, like, like that. But, um, but at that point it was uh, like, who knew how to get there? Um, But, uh, but, and and, and then when you find out like, Hey, there's only a, a handful of schools that can train you to do this. And then, oh, by the way, the competition in those schools for a very few amount of jobs for these, it's, 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 a, it's like, it's like almost becoming a pro athlete. It's, it's such a small community and there's, there's only a hand, hand, uh, you know, just a small amount of people that actually make it through and, and, and get to these spots. It's a, it's, it's a privilege probably going back, thinking about it now that I'm a dad uh, getting ready to send a daughter in the college. I'd be like, I, I, you know, hopefully we find a, a career that has a little bit more opportunity. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> such a small, small a number of folks that graduate and get into these jobs. So does she want to be a designer? No, no, she doesn't. No, I think she's I think she's thinking about marketing or communications or or the other side. So be a partner with design. So. A few uh, a few things here uh, in the final few minutes, aside from the E-Ray. What car, Rich, really takes your breath away as a designer, and why? Yeah, can I pick the Hummer? I'm sorry, that's that's too easy. <laughs> Aside too from easy. the Hummer, yeah. the Blazer, the Equinox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, honest, honestly, um, you know, I love uh, I love our trucks. Um, actually, one of the one of the things that I'm driving now is a Silverado a ZR2, and I love it. Uh, I, I was part of the truck studio for a time. And uh, and actually, I'm I'm really uh, glad to see the uh, the midsize trucks, the Colorados, and seeing the Colorado ZR2 uh, just kind of coming out and seeing that. I love that. I've had a chance to drive it. Um, uh, I, I really want to get one of those. So that's that's probably it. Maybe the uh, the Colorado ZR2. I, I love that thing. So it's, it's great. You won't get in trouble, but is there anything outside of General Motors that you admire? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh, certainly, you know, especially in the, uh, you know, working on Corvette, you know, we're always looking at what our competitors and we look at Porsche all the time. And it's, you know, like looking at the the latest line of the Porsche 911s, um, you know, their GT3, uh, it, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful, remarkable uh, piece of design. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 and I, you know, and honestly, I'll tell you the, you know, what Ferrari's doing, the design work that Ferrari's doing uh, in their latest, uh, their latest couple of models are just amazing. 
Um, and certainly I'm a big fan and there's always been a bit of inspiration there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love, you know, I'm, I'm still a fan. I'm still kind of that, uh, that, that, that young kid that has these supercars up on the wall. And I always really appreciate and admire, uh, the, the, you know, the folks that are working on that part of the design business that are pushing design and performance. I really appreciate and love those kind of cars. Um, you know, the Aston Martins, they're just beautiful. Um, that's something we talk about all the time about the beauty that you see in some of these cars. And certainly, certainly that's something that we're always thinking about and appreciate when you see those cars, especially when you see them in person, they're just, they're just gorgeous. Three cars, no cost concern you want to own. What are they? Uh, the first one is a 63 split window. So that, that is kind of, that's my, that's my top, like gotta have that. If I can ever have that, like. I, I want that. I want a uh, I want a K5 Blazer. Uh like I'm I'm just a Chevy guy. I love I love the Chevys. And it would be somewhere some shoebox, probably a 55 Chevy. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Y your father would agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, he's yeah, he, he if if I said something else I'd have a problem. <laughs> Not <laughs> with my boss, but with my dad. <laughs> right. We do a series of kind of quick questions occasionally with designers and we've had as I said at the opening, we've probably had half a dozen on, on the program through the last two years. I'm going to ask you about something and you give me kind of the first word that comes to mind as it relates okay. to design. Okay. Favorite watch. Oh my gosh. Favorite watch. Um, geez. Uh, you know, I'm probably the worst one at that. Cause I'm not that much of a watch guy, to be honest. I don't, and I'm probably breaking the, the watch trends. Uh, because a lot of my design partners, man, they're watch, you know, like they're foodies oh, they and the watch things. So oh, they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, yeah. All right. Uh, Doesn't how, matter. How about a, how about a, a men's clothing line or, or a shoe? Is there anything out there that you like that catches your eye? Yeah. You know, um, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm the, I'm the last guy that's walking through Nordstrom's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, um, or even consumer products. Is there anything that you like in the consumer space? Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I certainly love the Apple products. Um, I'm a big fan of the Apple products. I mean, I enjoy. I don't wear the Apple Watch, but I appreciate it. My kids got one. I think I buy Apple products by the dozens. Yeah, I, I just, I really love. Uh, I really love what they've done. You know, again, a company that's that's really put design as a focus is certainly those are the companies that I really aspire to. Um, and, and, you know, Apple's just, just done a, a phenomenal job. Their marketing, their design, their everything is, uh, I mean, how do you not love them? Especially as a designer, it's, they're, they're really kind of setting the benchmark. How about a, a favorite road to drive with one of those cars we just mentioned? You know, uh, Tale of the Dragon. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to, I've got, um, uh, I've got an old Camaro that I love that I turned into a pro touring Camaro. It's a 71 Camaro. I love that car. But then recently um, I got a, um, a 2019 um, Grand Sport. So a C7 Grand Sport. And uh, one of the reasons why I got that, uh, it still has a manual transmission. So I, I, I still appreciate and love that. And I, I love the proportions of the front engine car. Uh, I love kind of the classic proportions of that. And, and I was able to do that about a year ago, kind of take that car uh, and kind of take it for a ride down there. And it was just a thrill. Luckily, I didn't end up on the tree at the end of the route 
with any parts and pieces. The fascia stayed on the car. Uh, that's not always happened in my life. I've I've had some fun times at racetracks along the way, but this car made it out just fine. But that's that's probably my favorite road. Just just lots of twisty twisty, you know, back and forth. I love kind of going up and down the mountains, and that's a great part. That's a great drive to take. So, final thing. I know you can't obviously talk about future product. This is this is one of the golden rules in the auto industry. But absolutely, are you excited about what you're working on next? Unbelievably excited! Unbelievably excited! Yes. Why the would future. we be excited about what you're working on next? Because <laughs> because I'll tell you what it's uh, uh, you know again I I would say that um, there's so much there's so much emphasis on design. It's really letting uh, you know our creative, the talented creative people, just be very expressive and kind of just go out there. And I, I think the the stuff that we're going to get to do next is just going to blow people away. Cause we're just the, I'd say the, it's like the, the creativity is just unlimited. There's probably no better way to end the conversation with a designer than that line right there. <laughs> Thank you so Rich, much. Congratulations, congratulations on all the things that you've done and all the things that are to come. I guess we'll wait a couple of years and see what, see what comes next. Yeah. Right. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we're having a conversation. You're telling me that you're blown away. So okay, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we will be. And you, all of your Corvette faithful are saying that right now. Yep, anyway. absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the program, Rich. Yep, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again to my guest today, Rich Shear, Design Director at General Motors. To see my interview with Rich, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see more than 120 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. And thanks for listening to the program. You could follow us on all social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, as well as Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars Culture SXM. I'm Jason Stein. We'll see you down the road.